Hello, and welcome to Co-OpCast, your one-stop shop for co-op news and reviews. This week, hold on to your socks, because we've got a special episode. Hey everybody, this is Mike, and we have a little short special episode for you tonight. I've uh, gotten together with Jason from Every Night is Game Night, and you might know if you've watched any of our video content or listened to our podcast that Arkham Horror, the LCG, is my number one co-op and solo game at the moment. I absolutely love it. So uh, Jason and I are doing like a little kind of split thing for both our podcasts, where we're going to be discussing Arkham Horror LCG in different formats and kind of splitting the content amongst our uh, two channels. So today we have a special guest, Roy from Epic Gaming Night. Say hi, Roy. Hey, how's it going, everybody? It's going great, man. So great to have you on. And uh, Jason is here, too. Hi, Jason. Yo, my peoples. What's up? Hey, what's going on, buddy? Oh, man, I'm so excited to talk Arkham, man, anytime I get a chance. I mean, uh, we had our big debate about Arkham versus Lord of the Rings recently, so it's nice to have people who are friendly to the game only on the channel today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, full disclosure over here. So, okay, I am. I want to like this game, and I do like this game, but I'm cheap, so I have not played <laughs> the further expansions. So what I wanted to do, uh, me and Mike were talking, and... I thought, you know what? We both did reviews of the base game. No one ever does reviews of the expansions, you know? And people are playing the expansions, and people are liking the expansions. The Dunwich Legacy uh, won our uh, Every Night is Game Night's uh, solo expansion of the year award, actually. So a lot of people are enjoying it. That was a fan vote. So why not? You know, we, uh, uh, Michael is he's in. He spent four hundred dollars on the, on the <laughs> yeah, thing. Man, with... I, I am a hundred percent in on this game. So Roy, uh, before we get into Dunwich Legacy, can you tell everybody where they can find you online? Oh yeah, I do a podcast called Epic Gaming Night. Um, we stream those Tuesday night at uh, YouTube.com forward slash Epic Gaming Night. Um, I have two co-hosts. We just talk about board games, tabletop games, whatever we're excited about. And I also do a lot of stuff on the Dice Tower. I do Favorite Game Friday over there like every single week for like two years. Wow, um, every man. week, man. Wow. You are so consistent with that. You are yeah. a machine. Yeah, and just uh, just do a bunch of random different stuff with the Dice Tower. So lots of awesome stuff going on. Awesome, man. All right, well, let's get into it. So what we're going to do, we're going to talk, me and Roy, with Jason kind of moderating, Dunwich Legacy, the first uh, complete cycle of uh, eight scenarios in Arkham Horror LCG. And then what you want to do is, after you finish this podcast, jump right over to Every Night is Game Night and check out Roy and I discussing the Path to Carcosa, the second complete cycle in Arkham LCG. So it's a little bit of a twofer. Make sure you check them both out to get the full picture of our opinion on both of these expansions for this great game. And we'll see if we can get uh, Jason to get addicted to the madness after all this is over. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason, if we ever get together, we'll we'll, we'll play the heck out of some Arkham, man. If it wasn't wasn't Arkham, I would be totally in. I mean, because I I bought like $1,000 in Tethers of Multiverse. Like, so I, I'm not averse to spending a go- ungodly amount on a game, but it, it, okay. So maybe this this will be a this kind of like my voyeur's way of like okay, uh, if I can't <laughs> like it like you know like people who are following sports but they don't like watch the games they watch ESPN. This is my version of that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and eventually oh, maybe I'll, I'll go back into it and yeah if we if we ever meet up at like a convention or something we'll totally get we'll totally play it. Oh yeah, we'll dive deep. All right, so we're going to jump in with Dunwich. It's going to be a pretty quick episode, so uh, 
Roy and I are both going to talk about kind of our top three things about Dunwich or just three things that stand out to us about the cycle. And then uh, I'm going to talk about my favorite and least favorite scenario. And, and Roy, do you think you have a favorite and least favorite for Dunwich as well? Um, I, I would have to think pretty deep on it, but, uh, but yeah, I didn't categorize favorite and least favorite. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> I definitely could, could uh, play off whatever you do, man. Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. All right, so uh, let's just jump in. So for those who don't know, again, Dunwich Legacy is the first complete uh, cycle for Arkham Horror. Like the Lord of the Rings cycles, this is a a like sort of core box that you buy that has two scenarios in it. And then you get six more scenarios as individual purchases. And they each come with the stuff for the scenario, as well as player cards. And uh, the core boxes come with five new characters you can play as as well. So, Roy, what was kind of your experience with Dunwich, and how did you... Uh, how much did you play it? How did you get into it? So I played Dunwich solo, like the whole thing through, and I actually played with Daisy, um, which is like the this librarian. Um, and I really <laughs> you liked... played a whole cycle with Daisy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I loved it, man. Mind. So uh, she's, I think the class is called like Seeker, but so she has a bunch of those like really cool cards that let you like draw stuff, and she has a bunch of stuff where she can get free actions with tomes. Um, but she also has the ability to do mystic stuff, which is where she can, like, sling spells and stuff. So, like, when you have the core set, you don't have a whole lot of, like, good mystic stuff. But as, like, you start getting deeper into the cycle, you can get all sorts of better spells. So I played the whole, like, run away and hide from monsters and try to, like, (laughs) cycle through my deck to get the correct cards to be able to just survive. And I could just get clues insanely fast. So I went through the the cycle like or a lot of the scenarios really fast because I was able to get the clues like like real quick just because that's what Seeker's really good at. Um, and then occasionally when there were like big bosses or whatever that you had to fight, I just hopefully like try to build up and like be able to sling the spells at them and stuff like that. So it was super enjoyable overall. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I ran through Dunwich. Did you have a problem uh, with the one character? I've definitely heard that there are some ways in which two might be a little bit more advantageous because of the board coverage like you know you go over here and search for clues and you go over here fend off the monsters or draw them out or something like that but like one could be a little bit more difficult it might just be the class that i was playing but i did a lot of things to try to like utilize like making actions efficient like in the class i was playing there's like several cards you can get that allow you to like take moves as free actions and stuff like that there's like pathfinder and things like that so i was able to get like free actions off of moves and free actions off of other stuff and then if you're just playing with one character it makes a lot of the things a lot simpler because the game scales on the number of characters you're playing with so it just makes the game shorter in general (laughs) which i mean could be good or bad depending on how you want to do it um but yeah so it's like where some people would need like a lot of clues if you're playing with two or three players um when you're only playing with one player you need a lot less clues to do it and the bosses are a lot less difficult because they're scaled based on the number of players in the game. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, and I've, uh, I mean, I, I'm, again, this is my number one game, so <laughs> don't judge You've me. You've played through it I'm a ton of times. So I've played through Dunwich uh, four times completely, oh, plus like awesome. the first couple <laughs> scenarios a few times. Um, twice that was with um, another person, and then uh, twice through solo, once controlling two characters, once controlling one. And I think oh, the nice. one time I did one was probably uh, Jenny Barnes, the uh, the very balanced uh, rogue character with twin guns and crap tons and of money. And all the money. Yeah, all <laughs> the money in the world, exactly. 
so yeah, I, I've I've played Dead Witch a lot. <laughs> In fact, the, the the worst thing I so I played with Peter, my my co-host on the podcast. Uh, we played the entire saga. I got home from his house at like one a.m. But I was like feeling like, oh man, you know, I didn't see some some of the parts of that uh, that scenario. So I played through the entire cycle again from like one to like three thirty a.m., which does tell you how fast I play the game <laughs> when I'm really into it. <laughs> so. Don't recommend that. That's not the best way to experience the game. But yes, I hope you didn't have a like. I hope you didn't teach the next day. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> instruction <laughs> might have happened. I mean, you know, like the, the kids got to learn no matter how much sleep I've gotten, <laughs> right, dude? That's one of the crazy things about this game is I don't know if people like that have just looked at the game like realize once you get into this first cycle, like it's very campaign heavy and like there's branching paths sort of as you go oh, along, yeah. like. There's different outcomes to each scenario, and I mean, some might be better than others, but not necessarily, so there's just different ways things can happen. Different characters could be in the game depending on your choices, and it just feels, it makes it feel like it comes more alive as you're playing through these different scenarios, just because like the choices you make matter. Yeah, absolutely. Well, kind of on that note, Roy, do you want to get into like one of the three things that kind of stood out to you about Dunwich Legacy from what you remember? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, definitely the the just the story and the way things carry over um is like one of the biggest things for me in the game. For so one of my top is just how the the campaign story moments happen and like there'll be things you do um that go further in. Like how far are we getting into spoilers and things like that? I, I was going to not spoil it all. Like even when I talk about my least and most favorite scenario, I was going to keep it very vague. So yeah. does that sound good yeah. to you, Jason, for your podcast yeah. audience? I mean, I think the idea is like, so Dunwich had some stuff going on. Like you hear, and when people talk about it, like say, you know, this cycle introduced this stuff and that was yeah, really yeah. cool, you know? So like, that's kind of what I was hoping to get at. Like, okay, this is the mechanical stuff you got to look out for. This is how they revamped the system. And, you know, if you didn't like the base game, maybe you would like it with the expansion type of yeah. thing yeah, yeah, without yeah. actually getting into the uh, story stuff. Okay. So we'll keep it pretty light then. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if you're if you're looking at like playing this game, it's really cool because like you you're playing, you're getting these mythos packs as you're going along. You get like a big like deluxe pack which has like two scenarios in it. But then you'll make choices and do different things in each scenario. A lot of times in the game, it'll have like chances to resign at certain points, chances to like get clues and finish it a certain way, or maybe like you can go this direction and try to like rescue a character or find a specific item. And sometimes when you play through the scenario, you might find it, and sometimes you might not. Basically, just depending on what monsters come out, how much time you have, how fast your team is able to get the clues. Um, and so you might play through the, the scenario, and different aspects of it feel completely different depending on the player. And sometimes you'll get to the end of the scenario and be like, hey, if you saved this person, or hey, if you found this item, or hey, if you did this specific thing, um, then read this passage. But if you didn't, don't read it. And the best way to play through is just to, like, only read the stuff that's applicable to you so when you do repeat playthroughs, you can have completely new content to go through. That is so hard for me, dude. I just you just read, read through I everything. just want to read everything. It's like, well, what, it's like, what would have happened? <laughs> exactly. What would have happened? Paths not taken, all that kind of thing. That's really hard for me. Yeah, right, so Peter, my – What's your number three? Peter. Come on, Jason. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I specifically had you on there because Peter is beating you in ENG and appearances. So my <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so this is to even the score and here I am calling you Peter. How terrible is that? No, no, it's all right, man. <laughs> so 
So my number three is actually focused on the player cards that come in this cycle. And specifically, uh, they they introduced... I forget if there were any permanent cards in the core set. I don't think there were. But you get these amazing permanent cards in Dunwich Legacy. And just to explain for those who don't know, um, after scenarios you get experience and you can spend it to add cards to your deck. I think there's Not like really like a, a companion. Oh, sorry, say again, Roy? I think there's at least a companion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. Oh, yeah, I guess uh, well, I, don't, I get out to spoil it, but there's somebody you get in the first cycle that kind of sticks with you. Yeah, but yeah. so uh, permanent cards, how they work in Dumbwitch Legacy is once you buy them with your experience, they start in play every game. So you don't have to, like, wait until you draw them, which is one of the, like, negatives of leveling up with other cards. You might never get those cards, but here you start with them right in play. So in Dumbwitch Legacy, each class gets a skill booster that is permanent, where they can spend money to boost their skills. And these things are ridiculous. Like, I never, unless I'm trying to play on hard mode on purpose, I never don't buy these with, like, the first experience I get available. So they are amazing for kind of boosting your game and giving you consistency in your luck. And the other thing that's kind of similar, it's a great card, is Charisma, which also comes in Dunwich Legacy. And that's a card that lets you have a second ally, because... Um, you have a limit of only one ally per investigator in base mm -hmm. Arkham LCG, and allies are among the best cards, and you can't really run an ally deck or an ally strategy until you get charisma. So you I just, just really kill love... them off real quick and switch them well, off. <laughs> maybe you do. Right? No, I mean, that happens too. Uh, so yeah, I, I just love the, the, the permanent cards that got added and like kind of how they, they, they take away a little bit of the luck because I know that can be the most frustrating thing for a lot of people. Okay, yeah. All right. All right, Roy, what is your number two uh, or second thing that you found noteworthy? Yeah, about the I don't know cycle? if we're really going in order. I think these are all yeah. just cool things, right? Yeah. Um, my number two um, is really related to the game mechanics, and it's kind of similar to like what you were saying. But overall, I just really enjoy I, – I like deck building in games, but sometimes time to like analyze every single card in the deck building. The deck building in this game, like I love the way that it works and it's based off of experience that you find during the scenario. So you're going to be playing like Dunwich Legacy and as you go through and do well or not well in different scenarios, you'll be able to gain uh basically like experience or like victory points or whatever to be able to spend to upgrade your deck. And you'll have some cards that are just going to be like basic cards that you can build at the beginning that cost zero experience. But as you go along through the scenario, you're going to be putting better and better cards in your deck. Um, and you're going to be like hunting out this experience um, as you like go through the scenario. Like sometimes you kill certain bosses you get experience or sometimes you just find specific things you get experience or you explore specific locations you'll get experience. And you have to make sure to clear all the clues off of different things. So it's all the always this like pressure luck of like how far do you want to dig into the scenario you're currently playing to get experience before you go insane and things like that but then <laughs> it comes down to that deck building part of being able to be like okay this is my class these are the cards i'm allowed to use it's very limited but then it's like okay i have a couple experience points well these are the cards that kind of fit a couple experience do i want to take two of these that take one or do i want to take this one that takes two or i got some new level zero cards maybe i want to switch that out spend some experience points to do that there's all sorts of ways you can build your deck but it's actually super simplified so you don't have massive amounts of choices of your entire collection it's just you're upgrading your character as you go along and it sticks with you for the rest of the campaign which is really cool and that's one of the things that I feel is really noteworthy and just really awesome about this game that I really haven't seen in other games. 
So actually, I'm glad you pointed that out. Uh, one of the questions I have, you know, when you get these big games, you talk to your Android Netrunners and your even Lord of the Rings, like you can actually take the entire like, like cards from anywhere in the cycle and swap them in. So like if you can only have a certain type of card, well, you can get a, a card from the Forgotten, uh, from, uh, Forgotten Age or from Carcosa and swap that one in. Can you do that here or do you have to stick with the Dunwich cards? Oh, no, no, you can absolutely do that. Some, some people challenge themselves with, uh, I forget what they call it. It's a term that they use for Lord of the Rings as well. They challenge themselves to like only build decks with the cycles cards. Yeah, but no, no, the the, the rules are totally open ended. Whatever you want, you can do. use all of them. You just have to stay within. Like each character is going to have specific cards they're allowed to use. Like, okay, I'm mainly seeker. I can use seeker cards from each. Each card will have like different levels from like zero to five. That's like I can have the best seeker cards and the worst seeker cards. But I can also do mystic. But I can only get up to level two mystic cards. So I can mm. have some spells, but I can't have the very best spells. So it's kind of when you're looking through what you want to spend your experience points on to build in your deck, it's like, okay. But then also, like, in between each round, you're only going to have a couple of these experience points each time, so you're really only going to be changing out, like, one or two cards. So it makes the the choices interesting, but you're not going to just be rebuilding your deck each time. You're just going to be slowly changing out one or two cards in between each scenario. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm a little bit, I'm not hamstrung. Like, I, I can't just, I don't have to just, like, do the Dunwich stuff. If I have this one card that I love and I just want to play it in every single scenario, I yeah, can yeah. just do that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, sure. Like, if I'm, if I'm uh, who's that dog? Like, um, what's, what's oh. the dog's name? Uh, the, I know it's Duke. Is it Duke? Yeah, it's Duke. And uh, I, I think just... it's, it's, you have to have Ashcan Pete to be able yeah, to Yeah, Ashcan Pete has Duke, <laughs> and that's in Dunwich as well. That's right. Oh, okay. So if I want to play Duke in all the all the different scenarios, or I like have the Duke card, I can just have it. Oh, and Duke is unbelievable, dude. Well, you have to play on Ashcan Peach. Like, <laughs> you have he, to play Ashcan Peach's he's Peach's Ashcan Peach's unique card. <laughs> oh, Ashcan Peach is usually lame in all the Arkham games. No, he's lame in this one too. <laughs> he's but Duke lame, makes him a hero. Has Duke, Duke yeah. makes him amazing. Duke Man. makes him investigate like a pro and fight like a pro, so it's great. Yeah. All yeah. Right. Um, Mike, uh, what is your second thing that you want to talk about in Dunwich? So my second thing goes right off of what Roy was saying, what we were just talking about. Um, Dunwich has, like I said, five characters. Each of the each of the new like cycles starts with five new characters, and these characters are the best to start with a new player. So if anybody's wondering, like, hey, which cycle do I jump in with first? Do I get Dunwich? Do I get Carcosa? Do I get Forgotten Age, which is uh, just finishing over the next couple of weeks? Hundred percent, get Dunwich. Here's the reason why. The five investigators that come with Dunwich Legacy are each single-class investigators. Roy was just mentioning that, like, Daisy that he played with was mostly a Seeker and then had a little bit of Mystic card access as well. All the ones in Dunwich can only do a single group of cards, so just Seeker or just Mystic. And the reason that's great, a couple of things. Number one is it's the character – these are always the go-to characters I give to a new player because all they have to look through is a single set of cards – not two, not three, not four or five for some of the Carcosa characters. They just look through a single set of cards, so it's a much smaller pool to draw from, and it's often pretty obvious for them to figure out like what uh, combos they want to do and that kind of thing. But additionally, these investigators are awesome because they have, uh, they're allowed to splash in five cards from any other class, which gives you like really weird freedom to do cons- crazy combos and things you could never do with any other character. Like, pull that awesome survivor card that's going to make some wacky thing happen with uh, this guardian card and, and that kind of stuff. So, 
that's my number two. Like, I love the investigators that come with Dumbwich Legacy, and it definitely is the best cycle to get if you want investigators that will be a little bit easier for a beginner to play with. All right, very cool. So, um, Roy, you have uh, one more thing that is burning up your brain about uh, Dumbwich Legacy. <laughs> <laughs> what, is, uh, you... what is that all? Have you guys uh, like read the Dunwich Horror or like listened to like audiobooks or anything like of the actual story of the Dunwich Horror? Oh man, I'm, I, I am. Uh, <laughs> you should listen to the episode with me and Chris Kirkman. I just like geeked out for Lovecraft. Yeah, I've read every uh, Lovecraft short story and novel, and uh, some of like the other stuff written by other authors in the Lovecraft mythos. So absolutely. I would, uh... I would say I know this is going back to story, but this is such a story-driven game. It's just like how they took the Dunwich, the Dunwich like story itself, and added to it and just tweaked things to make like this whole cycle around like the crazy stuff going on in Dunwich and how you're uncovering things and things are happening. But it feels like you're in a return to that 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 town basically after. The, the stuff from the, the books and stuff has happened and like crazy things are going on again and you're trying to figure out what's happening. And it just feels like you're playing through like the actual Lovecraft stories itself um, and just how like I, there's a lot of Lovecraft games out there. Like, I mean, I mean, Arkham started a lot of this and then I have had Arkham Horror and Eldritch Horror and Mansions of Madness and I love all that stuff. But like the the story, the way that it actually feels like it comes to life as you're playing through all the scenarios um, is like the number one thing for me here. I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that as well, because I, I, I want to, I'm hovering over this game in particular, like all the outcome games are, are good, but like, I'm hovering yeah. over this game in particular because the card LCG model seems like it would be the best delivery system for narrative. Because there's right. so many cards. And, and I mean, they, LCGs yeah. in general normally aren't like that narrative, but they have made a point to make this game that narrative. Absolutely. Right. I mean, there's there's huge blocks of text you read. (laughs) Like, at the start of each scenario... For better or for worse. (laughs) There's blocks of text you read. Like, each... The the way it works is, like, you'll flip over different act cards as as different things are happening, like the horror is going up, or you're succeeding, and then you're flipping over cards as well. And there's also, like, cards mixed into the decks that are very thematic with what's going on in the current scenario. And as you're playing through the game, it's just the story coming to life. And it's cool that, like, the Dunwich Legacy in particular, very much so, it's just all based around, like, the happenings of, like, that book. It's I guess it's technically, like, a return to, to, to Dunwich, but it's very, very cool to see, like, it happen. Because Dunwich is one of those Lovecraft books where it's, like, it, it's a little bit more different. Because a lot of these Lovecraft books, like, end, like, terribly. And things like like Dunwich is like one that's the perfect to make this kind of game on because like it, it it is everybody equipping themselves and trying to go out and fight the monstrosities, which is how this how this plays out a lot. So it's really cool to see. It's funny because you mentioned so I have not read the books. You know, talked about like you know have you read the books? My exposure to Lovecraft was I had no idea I was being exposed to Lovecraft. I was a big D and D player when I was a teenager. Yeah, and yeah. occasionally my DM would put in modules of like these fish people or these, <laughs> oh, nice. these old ones. And, <laughs> and like everyone else in the, in the group knew what was going on. I'm like, Oh wow. Fish people. I did. Like, hey, it wasn't until Innsmouth? like, yeah, that was the intimate stuff. And it wasn't until like I started playing these fantasy flight games that I'm like, Oh, 
<laughs> they, they, now this all makes sense. So I had yeah. to like kind of go back and fill in my all of my uh, like like Lovecraft mythos stuff. It's it's it is a slow process though because I didn't I did not grow up with it. Well, I mean, I don't think I I didn't grow up with it either. And after I was one of my friends was super big into board games, taught me Arkham Horror. And I saw what cooperative games could do and games like this could do. I got more and more interested. I got Arkham Horror. A bunch of my other friends like started playing Arkham Horror. And I was like, oh, let me like explore the mythos of this. And, I mean, it, all of the audiobooks and like all the books are like public domain. So like there's so much of that stuff on YouTube. You can just like type in on YouTube, hey, Dunwich, uh, Dunwich Horror, and you can like listen to an audiobook of it. The Secret Cabal actually did a full like dramatization of the whole story with a bunch <laughs> of other like board game media people. It was great just because it was just so silly with them all dramatizing out like the entire thing. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of cool content out there for all the Lovecraft stuff, and it's super easy to find and free. So that's always good. Oh, yeah. Public use, fair use. That is good. That is good stuff. Disney, get let go of your uh, copyrights. You keep on messed, American <laughs> copyrights is messed up. We get Sherlock Holmes from over there. We get uh, Lovecraft. Come on, man. We got to open up that Mickey Mouse and all your other uh, original IPs. Come on now. If you guys know what I'm talking about, copyright law in America. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> they're too thing. busy should, trying to make money. We should have a whole uh, podcast stuff. episode about that, man. <laughs> uh, don't even get me started. I, I, I've been railing against copyright law I, again sorry politics no does not belong in my games <laughs> mike <laughs> what is your uh last thing that you want to talk about with dunwich so i will keep this vague to not be too spoilery and some of the stuff i'm going to say is immediately apparent in the first scenario so it's not again much of a spoiler and it does yeah. kind of connect to what you were saying roy with the uh the follow-up to the dunwich horror because what I'm going to focus on is how this cycle uses allies in a really interesting and exciting way. Okay. And those allies are largely uh, people who were involved in the original Dunwich Horror. So it is really like a straight-up sequel in a way in that major characters are showing up again. Yep. But again, to be very vague, the choices you make in this cycle can get you these ally cards or have these ally cards not be available to you. And these are cards that are added to your deck and they're super powerful. Like they can change up your entire strategy when you get them into play because they give you like tons of resources and really strong bonuses. And again, without being too spoilerly, uh, throughout the cycle, you'll have allies and you might do something and lose the allies and you might even let the allies die and it's like this really constant thread throughout at least the first like uh, five scenarios are really, really focused on these allies. And you care about them and they like talk to you or they don't talk to you if you messed up and didn't keep them alive. And so it, it's cool mechanically because, again, they're like boosting your deck in such a major way. But it's also really cool narratively because you grow attached to these people. And it really gives you, like, the the gravitas and, like, the feeling that all your choices are important because people are actually, you know, going away because of your choices. That's something the first cycle didn't really have except for maybe one thing at the very end. And it's something Carcosa doesn't really have at all. So it's very unique, at least so far, because I haven't finished Forgotten Age. But it's very unique to the Dunwich legacy because the way it uses allies is so friggin' cool. I just just love it. So would you say that because like, we talk about theme and mechanisms and all kind of stuff, would you say that, in your opinion, for you, that this Arkham Horror LCG has the best integration of theme and mechanisms that you've seen in a game? Ooh. Gosh. Uh, it could be. I'm a big Vlada Travado fan, and I love how he, like, takes Euro mechanics and explains them in a thematic way. So, mm-hmm. like, 
dungeon lords, dungeon pets, like space alerts, all of those have like incredible kind of theme mechanical integration. Um, but Arkham's definitely up there. It'd be tough for me to say the best. That's always hard to kind of uh, say on a moment's notice. But yes, it, it is one of the top ones. Well, that's your number one game, so I figured. Well, yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Roy? Same question. I was about to say, like, I, I like thematic games is what I play. Like, I'm all about theme in yes. games and falling through on all that stuff. Yeah, me too, man. You're, but I mean, you're in the right podcast. Heck yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I try to steer away from things with just way too many cubes. But as far <laughs> as like theme goes, like as that question goes, I mean, it just the amount of narrative in the game, I think makes it there. Like, honestly, like I have played a lot of these games that have all sorts of awesome themes. And I mean, I love war, of the ring and twilight Imperium and all oh, these yeah. things that are awesome. Yeah. And the war, of the ring feels like you're playing Lord of the Rings, but Absolutely. I feel like Arkham heart LCG does a better job of like, you're playing through the book even better and the fact that you're actually playing a character walking around from location to location i think gives you a good feeling of that and you uncover something and then you read about oh my goodness this thing just happened because i did this thing i don't know i think you're i think it's there i think it's literally there i mean i really enjoy mansions of madness too and i think it does a good job but honestly mansions of madness doesn't have the narrative depth that the lcg does so Mm -hmm. I Plus, think the like, LCG they make you, is probably the winner. They make you do like a finger puzzle or something stupid right in the middle of the session. Like, that just hey, takes me. I, I, I love the puzzles in that I game. I love the puzzles, but I, oh, I feel like him. I've lost the theme a little bit at that point. I you hate know? him so much. Oh, my God. And this usually hey, the, like the big long You have to play Mastermind to stop the ancient spells all, all the time. Don't you know? you got to figure <laughs> out it's green, red, then blue, yellow. Dude, that was in the original Call of Cthulhu. The guy was about to drive a, like, you know, uh, a sea ship into Cthulhu, but he had to solve Mastermind to activate the controls. That would, that's that's going back to the beginning, man. There you go. I, I think I remember <laughs> in there. Maybe that's the Fantasy Flight version that they edited. Well, sure, sure. Uh, I'm okay on the finger puzzles, but anyway. <laughs> All right, All right so... so uh... So you guys it's got me fin- really pumped up. You guys got me really pumped up about this. I, I, I may. I don't know, man. As soon as we get together, Mike. As soon as we get together, we gotta, we gotta make this happen. I oh, do, dude, dude. Absolutely. So, so real quick, final thing. I'm gonna say my favorite and least favorite scenarios for the Dumbwich Legacy. Um, again, without spoiling them. That's spoil, spoiling, spoiler ring. Is spoiler ring a word with an er? Not a word, dude. Yeah, I don't think it is, man. That's that's terrible. <laughs> English teacher over here messing it up. So yeah, without spoiling them too much, just something to kind of think about. And uh, Roy, if you remember these, feel free to jump in. So my worst scenario by far, and this is actually the worst scenario I've played of the LCG, is the third scenario in Dunwich. That's the Miskatonic Museum. And again, without too many spoilers, the reason the scenario is so dull, it's really easy. It's super fast. Like I play it and I'm like, wait, I'm done already? Yeah. And they went with this mechanic where there's like a single enemy who keeps on spawning and getting stronger, but that's it. You never face more than one enemy. So he's not like tying your characters up as much. You can evade him really easily. Um, so we didn't feel threatening. And in every other scenario, you have like multiple people popping up on multiple characters. This one guy was not enough to make him feel like he mattered much. So that has been the dullest scenario I've ever played in, in uh, Dunwich Legacy. And every time I go through the cycle, I just kind of dread it and try to get it over with as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. I would say for me, man, it just all starts to blur together. <laughs> when does one end and the other begin? It's, it's all true. stitched together in my mind. 
That's fine, Roy. My best, this was really tough, because actually I think this cycle is the most consistent of the of the uh, the three I've played so far. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, I love the train one. I love, uh, I love both of the starting ones. I love a couple of the finishing ones. But the best for me, because of the ally stuff I was talking about, is uh, the fifth scenario, Blood on the Altar. Oh, Again, nice. without too many uh, specifics, it is the scenario that uses the allies in the most interesting way. It ends with a really challenging moral choice that'll make you feel kind of bad either way you go and it's got a, probably the best of any scenario incredible tension in that there is a clock that is counting down for you to do stuff and you really feel it if you don't get that stuff done in, in an already awesome cycle it is the best scenario for me yeah yeah and the, th- the thing about these is, like, I- I'd play through them, and I'd just be like, oh, man. I mean, because you've played through them over and over again, and I've right, only right. played through, like, each one once, um, which I'm sure you get a much different experience, like, having seeing all the intricacies of each one. But each time it's just, like, the uncovery of, like, what's going to happen next. It's like, what's going on? Like, oh, my goodness, this happened, that happened? And, I mean, I almost wish they just didn't have art on the front of them because then you just have no clue. <laughs> or, like, just don't name them, which Wait, I'm sure... Say, yeah. Even the names are spoilers. In the- yeah, yeah, like, don't even name anything. And then you're just like, what? Just, just chapter one, chapter two. But I'm sure that wouldn't necessarily be as exciting to sell without the cool, nice artwork on the front. But it's it's still pretty exciting, like playing through all of these yeah all right well that'll do it for our little uh brief episode on the dunwich legacy but don't forget uh right when you're done with this please jump over to every night is game night and the three of us will be there talking about uh paths to carcosa along with uh, this is part of a larger episode for you right uh jason yep we are going to cover uh arkham horror third edition with luke hector so it's a double arkham shot we're going to give you arkham horror third edition and then after that conversation, we're going to give you the little bit, whatever we talk about with Path of Carcosa. So if you want Arkham, and I'm not an Arkham guy, but the people want Arkham, I am giving you all Arkham. It is happening. Yeah, so please go over to Every Night is Game Night. They're an amazing podcast, too. And uh, check out our coverage of, or well, their coverage of Arkham Horror Third, and then we'll talk some Path of Carcosa. So thanks, thanks everyone. So and, yeah, thanks, Roy. Thanks, Jason. Great having you on. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Co-OpCast, your one-stop for cooperative game news and reviews. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please review us on iTunes. And while you're there, check out Mindless Fate. They provide our bumper music. Also, check out Colin on his YouTube channel, One Stop Co-op Shop, and follow us on Facebook at One Stop Co-OpCast. Finally, join our Slack group by emailing us at MVP Board Games for continued discussion on these topics throughout the week. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.